Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Mañana. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're very excited to have you joining us on a beautiful morning well, here in Charlottesville, Virginia. We've had a couple spring days recently, which is nice to see. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, wonderful. Not, I, I, feel, you know, I always feel like, like, like Superman, right? The sun shines and, and you all feel energy. energy coming, you know? Even though I'm a flash guy, I still feel a little that you energy still get coming. the sun. You yeah. like to flash as if he was getting uh, solar power. But there you, uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so we're very excited for today's show. It's going to be fantastic. Of course, love being here on the I Love Seville Network set. Uh, big thank you, of course, to our, our presenter, Emergent Financial Services, as well as our good friends, uh, Matthias Yone Realty, of course, always supporting the show. Charlottesville Opera supporting the show. We're going to do, we have a lot. They have a lot of stuff uh, coming up we'll talk about exactly. as well. Um, Castle Hill Cider, Credit Serious Insurance, our friends Miguel and Chick, and of course Forward Adelante, the premier Latino networking group here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Already got some people liking the show this morning. Um, they must got, know I'm on. That's what it is. They there must know. Are. They must gotta, have checked the schedule. I said, and Savior is here this week. I oh, like the show this morning. Dante, thank you for watching the show this morning. Adrian Boyer, thank you for watching the show this morning. So we've we got a, a great, or either that or they know the great guests. That are coming out. They know that we're going to yeah, be joined yeah. first you just, by a list of eagle really quickly. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I can't let you get too too <laughs> big there. Right, so uh, they know that we're going to be joined first by Alyssa Corbin, uh, who's the owner of the Glitter Bee, followed by Christine Fairfield, the executive director, and Michael Slon, the music director of the Oratorio Society of Virginia, here to talk about uh, here to talk about upcoming concert. And then, last but definitely not least, Charlie Rogers, CEO of Innovative Software Solutions, and the chair of the board of directors for the Charlottesville Scholarship Program. So we got a, a full house today, but a fantastic full house. So I am I am definitely. Looking forward to it. Oh, so do I. And, and I mean, I, be... I really like to learn a little more about Glitter B, you know? Oh. I mean, when I first read that, I said Glitter B, and then it kind of hit me literally about five minutes ago, so now I'm really excited to find <laughs> out excited. more about it. It always takes you. It takes you, you know. Yeah, you know, I inherited you know, that. There's a lot of information here, and that, you know, that, you know, what do you call it? They have to get the it dry, right. got to go back, got to go back into history and find it. It's just tough. Hey, you know, I know. I always tell people I, I inherited that a little bit. You know, you got to give me sixty. You know, a computer where you have to clean it up once in a while because yeah. you got defragment. Too much defragment. There you are. That's the word I was looking for. There we go. So yeah. well, and now we're ready, and now we're ready. ready to do it. So we are very excited to welcome to the show this morning and start us off, Alyssa Corbin. She is the owner of the Glitter Bee. Alyssa, thanks so much for joining us sure. this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you on. So, for those who don't know about you, tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you started the Glitter Bee. Uh, so I started, I was a preschool teacher. Um, my business, my entire business model has happened by accident. Um, I did face painting for a community event that my, um, that my school was doing uh, just for fun and was invited to do some for work. And when I moved here, um, well, to Waynesboro in 2017, I realized that I was charging way less than I should be. Um, and <laughs> all of a good. sudden, the side hustle became, you know, mm -hmm. the possibility of being yeah. a real job. And uh, when I connected with a local um, Charlottesville entertainment group um, for the chance to do parties for them, um, she asked me if I did henna, and I said no. And I really didn't have any desire to add new services at that time. Um, and she said, well... 
I feel like you could, so I'm going to put you down for henna. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I guess I should learn how to do that. <laughs> and so, but I couldn't be happier that it happened. It really has become my very favorite medium. And so that's when the Glitter Bee was born. I stopped teaching. Um, I do this full time. And so, that's amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so I'm just curious. So for those of us that don't know much about that, nice. but could you... It's What's not that? on here, by the way. That question's not here. Oh. I didn't read it, Okay. What is henna? Yeah, because I so, have no okay. idea. Um, so henna is a plant. Uh, it's the henna Lawsonia plant. And the leaves of that plant are crushed, and we make paste out of it. And so um, my recipe is you have to have a few different things to make it work. Um, but I use henna powder um, and brown sugar and an essential oil. Um, it has to be very specific essential mm -hmm. oils that will um, break down the plant cell wall to release the dye into the paste so that when it's applied to skin, it will create a stain. And so is it, it's is a it fascinating also edible process. by any chance? Because anytime you put brown sugar in something, you I, I know, get excited. That's yeah. the question that I get more often than have you ever tasted it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> With just the lavender, it's probably fine, but I don't recommend it. It would probably just taste real sweet and grassy. <laughs> <laughs> so you go with the tube, and once you say sugar, sugar, like, yeah. sugar yeah. it's, it's got to be good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, Can I taste Possible, this? possible. Mm -hmm. But so, does the, so the henna then kind of makes a, a, a stain or dye on someone's skin, yes. which then I guess slowly disappears over time? It does. So um, the way it bonds with the keratins in your skin, and that's why it creates that. It starts out as a very like bright carroty orange color when you first take the paste off, and then it gets... Um, it reaches that rich red-brown color mm -hmm. in a two to three days. So oh, it, the stain gradually deepens over the first couple of days, which right. is a really fun process to watch. And I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure why it works that way, <laughs> but it keeps happening. So How long does one last? Um, it can last up to two weeks, depending oh, on placement oh, and that's care. That's good, yeah. So oh. feet last a really long time. Apparently the tops of our feet don't exfoliate as quickly as the rest of us. So feet can last for three to four oh, weeks sometimes. The so. little kids must love that because I know as a little kid, like the, the thing you hate most is you know that face paint. Yeah. And if it doesn't last or you have to wash off in a day, they're so disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> so quick tip, you can save a face paint. If they really, really love it and they don't want to part with it, you can take a baby wipe and press it in until the color comes through very mm -hmm. gently and then peel it off and you can keep it forever. So once it's dry, it's just there. Oh, that's and so it doesn't neat. take that's it all amazing. the way off, that's, so they still have the face paint for a little while, gotcha, and they have it gotcha. to keep. So. Oh, that's that's, 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 interesting. that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's they, cute. They missed uh, such a kick out of that. Absolutely. Oh, oh, Lisa Char watching the show this morning says, "I love the glitter bee." Thank you, Lisa. Elizabeth Miller watching the show this morning. So we got lots of lots of fans joining us already. And so so when you put this on on uh, whatever on, on your arm or feet, whatever, then mm -hmm. you also put glitter on it. Is that where the glitter comes in, or is that something else? Uh, That's sometimes a you can add okay. glitter to the top of the paste. It just makes it fancy for the length okay. of time it has to stand. And will the glitter it, last too? No, the glitter, no, the glitter will glitter come off when the paste does. Okay. Um, and so you have to leave it on for. I, I usually recommend four hours, but six to eight is kind of the sweet spot for okay. the best, longest lasting stain. Okay. Um, but I do also. Also make my own line of body glitters, um, and so that's I spread it like pollen. That's why I'm the glitter bee. Oh, <laughs> oh, that, oh that made the trail sense. Uh, I stopped someplace in Stanton the other day and went to get out of my car and saw what I absolutely recognized as a piece of my own glitter laying in the parking lot. So I, was like, I was here. There you go. It's proof. It's proof you were there. Yeah. So I know health and safety is a major component of what you do because obviously you're, you're putting something on people's skin and you want it to be the best. Tell us a little bit about 
the the health part of how you put the henna together and so forth. Yeah, so henna is a grossly underregulated industry. Um, so anything you can buy online, if you can get it on Amazon, I'm I'm pretty sure even the jewelry on Wish shouldn't actually touch your skin, but definitely not the henna. Um, and so they can put whatever they want to on the label. It can say organic, it can say all natural, and it still has kerosene or turpentine mm-hmm. or PPD. Um, so things to look for if you're getting henna, if it's um, any color other than brown, if it's um, if it doesn't smell good, it should even if it's not your favorite essential oil, it should smell natural. It should smell nice. Mm-hmm. Um, if it isn't being refrigerated, because natural henna is a perishable product, it's much like food; it has to be refrigerated, mm-hmm. wow. um, or it will lose potency. It doesn't get dangerous, but it will lose potency. Um, something else to know is that um, while natural henna, very few people are allergic to actual henna. Um, there is a condition called G6PD deficiency that's found mostly in. Um, people that are of either Mediterranean or West African descent, and henna can be a trigger for that. So that's one of the reasons that I don't henna children under seven, because usually mm-hmm. by that time it's been diagnosed some other way. Okay. Um, but as a trigger, it can be fatal for children. So I try to be really, wow. really careful, because the safety yeah. of my clients and my people yeah. just really means a lot to me. So, so you use the one that's really natural and yes. hasn't been like... I make my own, so yeah. I don't have you to worry about anything. Deal. I know where the ingredients are coming from, and... And that it's a it's going to provide a high quality stain, but also a safe one. Oh, that's, that's so possible. the ones you can buy online sometimes has either turpentine or kerosene. You're saying, yeah, is that absolutely. so that they last longer? Is that the key? Or um, it makes them quick staining. It's a mm. preservative, okay. and yeah. so the things like that will make it last longer. Yeah. But um, it's not worth the risk. Absolutely not. Yeah, neither one of those sounds something like I want to put on my yeah. skin kerosene or. And you know, turpentine. your skin is the largest organ yeah. of your body, exactly. and so whatever you put on your skin is going to impact what's what's it's inside it. And so these chemical hennas have been linked to um, brain failure, liver function issues, heart stuff. Like, I mean, it's just the more I learn about it, the more awful it it gets, the scarier it becomes. I had no idea. So, a lot of people don't. Providing a safe option yeah, for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I do sell natural henna cones as well for people who want to play with it but don't want to take the risk. So That, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So shout out to Cynthia Murray. Thanks for watching the show. Let's see. I think it looks like uh, Lisa had, a, had another comment. She said she says she's very proud of you, Alyssa. So Lisa is, Thanks, uh, Lisa. is, is really proud, as, as are we, as are we. Um, so, so what are some – oh, go ahead. So one of the I have is like, so, you know, obviously little kids love – glitter on their Absolutely. face whatever so do they tell you what they want or do you do whatever you think is best on them does somebody come along and say I, you know i i want to i want a mask around my eyes that, that had glitter or oh, absolutely so absolutely. they tell you they, they have a, and i use um a lot of face painters will use a picture board so they just pick the picture of the face paint that they want um part of the problem with that for me is that i have the little kids that are like that one's got four dots mine only has three <laughs> and I'm like, sorry your forehead's not as big as that kid's but <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I use a word board, so it just has the words and a little picture mm-hmm. next to it so that kids that can't read yet can still tell what's available. Um, but I mostly tell them, you can just pick a size and tell me your favorite things, and we'll run with it, because their mm-hmm. ideas are always so much more fun than mine. I'm sure, I'm sure, so, yeah. I've done some that weird was, stuff. That would be, be so much fun. So what are some fun, like, what are common events that you get called out for and applications? What are some different things, like, so when people think of the literally, what are some kind of the range of things you've seen people use you for? Oh, uh, there's a lot. Um, and so this is one of the reasons that I'm rebranding from the Glitter Bee Face and Body Art to the Glitter Bee Art Company, because I really have branched out so far beyond that. And so um, people call me for mural work, storefront window painting. 
Um, but as far as events, I do girls' nights in, I do bridal stuff, I do boudoir sessions, um, private sessions are held in my home studio, mm-hmm. um, but also music festivals, um, corporate events, team building things, so we can do art parties, pretty much anything but a paint night. I feel yeah. like there are enough of those in the world. Um, I can do the tie-dye parties and people mm-hmm. mixing their own glitters, and we paint sugar skulls, and we do... Um, flower crowns and just all manner of things and so if it's an idea that um, that a group has we can we can figure out a way to make it happen oh that's fantastic so, yeah that's great and obviously yeah. birthday parties are a big one yeah so. I would imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> up there. can't forget the birthday parties yeah but 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 I just this way people know all the different varieties I mean I could imagine I know um I know like sometimes corporations and stuff they have like you know wellness days and Absolutely. things that they want to just put do something fun and something Fun, just relaxed. If you're, you know, get a little uh, henna stain yeah. on, on your arm or something, you know, it's it beats. It just won't be permanent. So it's not like with a tattoo parlor <laughs> right. or anything, you know. We have it for a little bit. And yeah, just... and I do a lot of test tattoos. People that are like, I think I want a tattoo right here, but I'm not sure if I'm going to love it forever. And you know, if you can deal with it for two weeks, there's a good chance you might like it. Oh, that's good. yeah. Um, that's what you know. If, you, if after two weeks you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my favorite thing is uh, in my private sessions being able to have opportunities to make women feel good about parts of themselves that they've mm. not even just not really liked but have hated. Mm. And so being able to to decorate those parts of them in a way that they're like, oh my gosh, I really love this. Yeah. That's what that's what really that's what it's about for me. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's, that's really fantastic. nice. Yeah. Probably why Sonia Velasquez Shiplet says she's literally the best. Uh. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so what's it like? I mean the audience always loves to know a little bit about the entrepreneurship side, what's it been like? You know, like part of it in a nutshell. says some of it there. Yeah, solopreneurship is definitely challenging, um, and my rainbow sparkle brain is not a big fan of numbers. And so, but I am still my own accountant. I am still my own marketing person. I'm, you know, so doing all the things can be really overwhelming. Um, so I love what I do and being able to just, you know, sparkle and joy all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the back office stuff can be complicated. So if you're going to start something, like, find help. Do your networking. The nice thing is if, if we like what we do and we have a passion for it, right, kind of the rest of it is us. like, okay, yeah, I have to do this also yeah. and I'll do it. Because like you said, especially, you know, the accounting and the marketing yeah. sometimes, that can be, you know, a, a pain. But... If you if the end product is such that you really enjoy, then you say, okay, I'll, I'll put up with it. For yeah, now. it does make it Until worth it in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah. And, it's, and it's good for people to know. I think, like you said, for people who are thinking of getting into it, but also like to realize, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Sometimes, they, you know, so your much. passion for what you do comes out, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's like all fun all the time. Like you actually yeah. put a lot of hard work yeah. behind the scenes into what you do. Yeah. That people who maybe just come to death the face paint for the first time or you know they bring their kid they may not see immediately they'll be like oh this is such a nice job say well yes it's a it's something you love to do but it's a lot of work that people need to appreciate and as a face painter a lot of times you're approached as a hobby artist they Mm -hmm. assume that it's something that you just do for fun and i'm like nope this is my whole life like (laughs) and so we get a lot of requests for like you know can you donate services i'm like nope yeah, is... Girls gotta eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, exactly, exactly. And I do, I do have a few organizations that I just really love, and that I will donate time for a couple mm-hmm. times a year. And I do things for my church family regularly, as or as often as my schedule allows yeah. me to. Um, but yeah, that's 
So, just so people know. <laughs> yeah, no, so, well, <laughs> I, I think it's it one of the free. biggest struggles of small business. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many times, you know, we talked about it at, um, at the CIC workshops and stuff, that so many times you'll get approached as a new small business and a lot of people want to kind of take advantage of, oh, well, if you do this for free, you'll get exposure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you got to be firm and yeah. say, no, no. I'm, a, I'm a business. I'm not a nonprofit. Yeah. Right? I'm a big, heck, even if you are a nonprofit, you, a non-profit, you still have to make some money. Pay, absolutely. Right? Exactly. Just as like, yeah. one of the first things you learn. Eat. Even if you work yeah. for a nonprofit, exactly. you still got to You know what I mean? You know, a nonprofit doesn't mean you don't actually bring in any funds. Otherwise, you wouldn't <laughs> exist anymore. But like, you know, I, you, this is a business. You have to pay me. Yeah. To, you know? And when people start out, and, you know, for people who are starting new businesses, when you start out offering things for free for the exposure, it takes years to come back from that and to be able to actually start charging what you're worth, Um, you know, especially when you you have that value uh, before you get started and you're discounting it and you're discounting yourself and that's not, um, doesn't work well in the long run. Yeah, no, it's so exactly. key. So that's great advice for people. Carolyn Plador says, yay, Alyssa. <laughs> Thanks. So you got, uh, man, you got so many fans. You can, say, you can tell that you have spread your glitter everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, that's right. Everywhere. That bee's been working hard. Uh, yeah, she's busy. <laughs> so Alyssa, Alyssa, always always like to ask, you know, where can people find you, get in touch, book you, and so forth? So I'm on Facebook um, as the Glitter Bee Face and Body Art. Um, Instagram's Glitter Bee VA, as in Virginia. Um, but the easiest way is probably just to head straight to my website. It's um, glitterbee.net. Oh, super easy. So. And Glitter Bee, like the bumblebee. Yes, B-E-E. like the bug, not the letter. Glitterbee.net. Oh, Alyssa, it's been such a pleasure to have Absolutely. you on. I, I just, I, I love what you do. I love that you're doing it in a safe way for people's skin. And so, so thanks important. so much yeah. for, for coming yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. It's been educational. Thank thanks you so much. Me. Thank you so much. All right. So as we rotate here, I'm going to rotate from one grade. I always, it, it's so amazing. I love businesses like Alyssa's where she figures out, like, you know, they, they find something, right, that maybe, like, you know, henna stains, right? And it's like, this isn't being done in a way, in a way. that is best for people. Exactly. I'm yeah. going to go in here or sometimes you know even accidentally right i'm gonna go in here and do it in a way that's safer for people and healthier for people and just that's i feel like that's what entrepreneurship is it's saying here is something that i can do better or in a way that i think is is good for for this particular type because who would know i mean first of all i didn't even know what it was and second of all i didn't know that you know if you bought it that it could be that dangerous for you yeah exactly you know so you want to you want to be careful you know denise uh Denise Barrett, I'm going to skip your middle name, Denise, because I don't want to. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Says, "Go, Alyssa, you are awesome." So yes, indeed, Denise, uh, she is. And from one awesome guest to another pair of awesome guests, we are super excited to welcome to the show this morning Christine Fairfield, the executive director, and Michael Slon, the music director of the Oratorio Society of Virginia. Christine, Michael, thanks so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Now, it's, it's it's great to have you on as someone who uh, attended. The uh, all night vigil last year for Rachmaninoff. I, this is very exciting for me because it was it was amazing. Um, so, for those who aren't familiar with the Oratorio Society, tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you first you know came to be involved with the, with the society. You want to start? Or? Sure, I'll start. Okay. I'm actually only recently involved with the Oratorio Society. Um, I live over in the Valley in Stanton, and uh, after the pandemic. Um, 
I was reminded, or maybe it was because of the pandemic, I was reminded how much I missed singing in a really good group. And so I started looking around, and I'd heard about the Oratorio Society um, through mutual friends and and other connections in the music scene. Um, And so I came over and I auditioned and I checked it out. So I first started uh, in 2021 as a a new singer singer with the ensemble. Um, but I fast promotion fast fast forward Um, I I have a music background as a singer trained singer and I had been working for a nonprofit school over in Harrisonburg um, and I brought a skill set that has been a really good fit Um, so when David Perry stepped down last year um, I applied for the executive director position and and joined them in that capacity this fall and I continue to also sing sing. and she's very good by the way uh, you wouldn't let her go right no matter what you're doing you're still singing (laughs) his last interview question was Will you still sing with us? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't make or break, but it certainly <laughs> it was insinuated. Yeah. But <laughs> so, yeah, no. to answer your question, so I, I came to Charlottesville 2001 uh, when I got oh. hired on music faculty at UVA, and uh, and so first, and I'm the you know director of choral music there. And then it was mm-hmm. about 2011. The Oratory Society reached out to me. Uh, and said, would you consider being our interim director? And then the next year I became the official music director. So it's been more than 10 years now working with this, I mean, really wonderful group Mm -hmm. of, of talented singers from our community. Which is really, I think, the amazing part is it has a, tell us about this, it has a, a long history, the Oratory Society. I think it was founded in the 1960s. 60s. 60s. It's over yeah. 50 years. So over 50 years old. Wow. And what's yeah. kind of like the mission and how, for those who aren't familiar with it? Well, we are a community chorus, um, auditioned, um, and, and, but totally volunteer. So our, our entire ensemble is made up of um, people from all walks of life, including a couple of high school students at the That's moment, amazing. which is fantastic. Wow. I think we have um, six decades of, wow. you know, so it's generational. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite yeah. extraordinary. Uh, every, everything from high school students to retirees mm-hmm. and in between. Um, school teachers, not necessarily music teachers. Um, we have a couple of physicians, and yeah, yeah, it really runs the gamut, business owners and, and so on. Um, and, and we just, we share uh, a passion for good choral music. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael's a fantastic leader. Um, he makes it really fun, and uh, rehearsals are well-paced, and um, we really get to do some interesting music, and we can talk more about oh, our next yes. concert, because it is definitely um, different than some of the things we've done in the past. Yeah, tell and, us, and, oh, go ahead. You know, I was just going to add to what Christine's saying, that, you know, uh, as, in, as you go from the internal facing part of the group as we look out to the community too the idea is to carry this passion and joy that Christine's talking mm-hmm. about into the community mm-hmm. so that people are transformed you know and inspired by the beauty of core music as you were when you heard that yeah, beautiful Rachmaninoff performance it's, last it's year just, it's to hear something like that is so music and the human voice I think has a, has a beautiful I mean, as someone who loves classical music Right, uh, you know, you definitely you have your symphonies, you have your instruments, but there's a certain part, in particular, something like Ramanov, when it's just the voice. There are yeah, literally yeah, no right. instruments yeah. in in the all night vigil, other than the human voice, and that had that echoing, yeah, qua- spiritual quality. It moves you in a in a special way. But but you think about, it. I mean, think of all the symphonies that we know, right? 
And there's something about the symphonies where there's a choir. I mean, obviously the ninth and the even Mahler's, I mean, it's just like when you get to that part, yeah. it just elevates that symphony level. to a different level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really does. I mean, like we said, that human voice just adds something. There is it. nothing like it. Some, some composers and some musicians have said all instruments aspire to the human voice <laughs> because it's so beautiful and expressive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That, that, is, that is true, yeah. that is true. So, I mean, I, I'm excited. Tell us about this upcoming concert because we did, last year was, so it was one piece, but this year there's two yeah. pieces that uh, people get to enjoy at the concert well, on May 5th. So, just to frame, you know, kind of what we do in a typical season, we always have our uh, Christmas at the Paramount just, right. down, just yeah. down the street here, uh, and that's wonderful, well-attended, and that can be quite a big, diverse gathering of repertoires, right? So a lot of different pieces. Um, and then we do our March Together in Song, which we just did last month, uh, where we invite community singers to join to us. Join uh, they just, they learn the piece on their own, then they do one day master class and then sing with us part of the oh, concert. Wow. Yeah. Boy. So maybe we'll have to get both of you next year, yeah? You don't, you don't want to hear me sing. Well, <laughs> trust me. Okay. Well, and then... Uh, and then we usually are doing some kind of what we could call major works, you know, mm -hmm. in that later spring yeah. slot, like what you heard last year. And so um, this year, uh, we're doing a program which is kind of called the Choral Mass, Old and New. Mm -hmm. And if, if you look at the history of music, it's interesting that the mass, mass settings um, have been this kind of vessel which composers have poured their own voice into over the mm -hmm. centuries. Mm -hmm. And you can almost trace cultural history and musical evolution, if you track this, right? You listen to Perlstrina, and then you listen to Bach, B minor mass, and then Mozart or Beethoven and the expansive romantic mm -hmm. aspect. And then something like Bernstein mass, uh, which opened the Kennedy Center, which maybe not a mass at all, but this incredible crisis of faith piece. Mm -hmm. So what we have for this concert are two pieces, the Rossini, um, Petite Mass Solonelle, which is Despite the word petite, it's big. It's, <laughs> it's like an yeah. There's the wow. score. Well done, Christine. It's like an hour and a half or something. And um, it was the really last piece he wrote. He had left composing opera uh, decades earlier, okay, and had taken some time away from writing music. And then late in his life, he wrote this. Wow. And then we're pairing that with Arvo Pärt, still very much a living composer, uh, Estonian. Um, and if you know his style, I, I, I told the chorus at the first rehearsal, it, it, in a, its own way, it quiets the noise of the world. Mm, mm -hmm. It's a very introspective spiritual style, and the yeah. pieces could not be more different, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Radically different. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a fascinating comparison of how the same text inspires mm -hmm. two different people different composers and the, the arvo pair which is called misa syllabica is called that because he only gave one note to each syllable it's like sound of music oh. you know when maria says one note and do yes. uh, and so it's just one note per syllable, per syllable. Uh, i think Rossini might use more notes wow. just in the Credo Fugue than our <laughs> parrot uses in the whole mass. <laughs> <In> the whole <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, they also do have that distinction. Now, will, will, does the Rossini one, that does have some instruments, some uh, yes. instrumentation? So his original scoring was for piano and harmonium. Just two, cool. it was very intimate and, and, and the voices. And so we're, we're doing it with piano and, and sometimes people substitute organ. 
Mm. Okay. And, okay. So, and we'll be at St. Thomas Aquinas, so we'll use that organ and have a piano. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Interesting. And then yeah. now, but parrots, I think, is just... Oh, organ and the chorus. Organ and the chorus. But the, the organ's very sparse, just like yeah. two or three notes at a time, nothing overt mm-hmm. or showy. Mm-hmm. So oh. when, yeah, when you start parrots, it starts... I, I started both of them, and, and uh, I, I listened to the openings, and of course, you get Rossini's, which opens yeah. grandiose, yeah. and then I went, like yeah. you just yeah. immediately voice, are in... Yeah. You, you, it's like you move from a great, you know, massive church in Europe to a monastery. Yeah. Almost in a sense. Actually, like that is very astute because I was once in the room with Arvo Pert and he's a very tall man and he's also, he's like a monk. I mean, your mm-hmm. monastery, he, he is a very quiet man and um, he, he really, he, even though he isn't kind of an ordained monk, he presents mm-hmm. like one sometimes. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, you, you, the personality comes through. Yeah, a little it bit does. Use it in the music. And I think you've already, you've you've mentioned before to the choir that that Parrot wrote uh, or the the style that this particular piece is in that became sort of his signature style is one that came out of a period of silence oh, of contemplative yes. silence that he had. It's intentionally. Is, this is very true. So he was a young composer, and he was also, of course there was the challenge of Soviet repression of his music, mm-hmm. right, being in Estonia at that time. Um, and he actually took, Christine is exactly right, a period of a number of years, I think six or eight years, he, he would just study Renaissance and medieval music and didn't write much. And then in about 76, or this piece is from 1977, he came out with this new style that now is, is in a sense, world famous. I mean, I was just reading something the other day, someone was saying... I, I don't know if I agree or not, but they were saying perhaps Arvo Parrot is the world's greatest living composer. It, wow. it will That's be interesting. Just, I have to say, my as Nick and Xavier know, my opinion of modern classical music, maybe just out of my love for the classics, cla- the classics yeah. is I, I don't quite enjoy it as much, with the exception of Parrot, because hmm. I think um, at the uh, Charles of Symphony was last year. Um, they played yeah, with a piece university singers, by uh, Da Pachem Domine. Yes, yeah, and I said this is. This is incredibly good. Hmm. Like this is the type of like a modern composer that just spoke to me in yeah. a way that sometimes some of the others do not. I think he just he blends beautifully a lot of things I love about some of the older classical traditions with with definitely you can tell that he he is a 20th century yeah. 21st century composer. You wouldn't yeah. mistake him for Mozart. Yeah. But part of it is because I think when we're introduced to classical music, we're obviously introduced to the classic first right especially mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the 4Bs right so and then i think what happens if if you if from early on you get introduced to the mozarts and the beethovens and the box etc then when you know you get to love that music and then when you start moving at least this is the same thing happened to me when you get and start moving into modern music it's like yeah it's just not as good you know what i mean and you so know, you just keep going back yeah. to the tradition at least me i keep no, going I, back to the I, tradition I heard that from others you know i i get that on the other hand there's i find there's so many interesting things happening mm-hmm. in your music and yeah. also um, a much greater diversity right you know the, mm. the who is an actual composer we've expanded that right so now we have all these tremendous women composers and we're now we're listening more to minority voices mm-hmm. which is also you know we did this hail stork a world premiere a couple of years ago with the Oratory yeah. Society. And from totally different and parts of the world he, now. He's, he's yeah. an African-American Virginia mm-hmm. composer. He's tremendously... He's also a great living mm-hmm. composer. And uh, and so it kind of expands that idea yeah. of what is yeah. a what is a musician. Yeah. But I also... I mean, yeah, it is hard to be Bach. I get that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so I also have a question. So when, when you put these, you know, events together, right... Um, 
Do they tell you how many singers you need in order to do one of these pieces? Or, you know, sometimes you may not have enough. In other words, let's say you need like 20 female voices and, you know, 20 male voices or vice versa or, or different numbers. Does, is, do they tell you or, or you as, a, uh, as, the, as a director decides how many voices and different uh, so it's it, with a chorus. The good news is, you know, it's not quite as specific. Mm -hmm. So as Christine was saying, we're a community chorus, right. and so and we're almost what ninety right now. We're ninety voices. Yeah, right. ninety voices, which is great. So you want it to be if you have talented people, you want to it's, open the door, of course. right? So. Um, uh, it's not like an orchestra where it says, well, there's a first oboe part and a second oboe part, right. and then you just mm -hmm. have that, right? Exactly. Uh, it's more like the string section where you could have a mm -hmm. sliding number. And in, in the, this case, uh, it's really a matter of, I try to choose a repertoire that we can do well, mm -hmm. and the Rossini's definitely works well with big chorus. It's interesting you mention this because for the Arvo Parrot, I did um, trim it down. What would you say, 30, 35 singers? Mm -hmm. For I, yeah, to make it a more chamber sound because mm -hmm. that is clearly his aesthetic. Okay. And yeah. it wouldn't okay. have, yeah. So it's almost the opposite. It's not do we have enough. It's in one case we had too many. Okay. But, but mainly I try to program so that the whole chorus is singing most of the time. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you decide to do both? Like, what sort of drew you to these two pieces? Obviously, you have the contrast of, of styles and ages. Well, what, what about these two in particular? I think, so, programming, and Christine, I've talked about this, even just, she's only been with us one year, but she's a fantastic executive director. Programming is challenging. I would think so. Uh, yeah, and especially when you have multiple groups, which I do in town, which mm -hmm. is a blessing, but there's a lot of music to figure out who's doing what. <laughs> you know, we just did this considering mm -hmm. Matthew Shepard with the University Singers, and now we have this coming up. I, I did want to get two pieces that were contrasting, and these are very much so. Pieces, I try not to over-program. Mm -hmm. Do we have enough time in the rehearsal yeah. schedule? It's very important to... Yeah. Matt, not just get the notes kind of right, but really make music, mm -hmm. and and I think that's important. I, honestly, you t this is a show where you talk to businesses, so I'm going to say something extremely practical. Sometimes budget is a factor, okay? Mm -hmm. Right. So the the cost for instrumentalists and soloists in this piece is not particularly high, uh, and whereas if we did Beethoven, Mises, Solemnis, that's a huge orchestra, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's going to cost some money. Yep. So sometimes you go, you also combine the, the artistic with mm -hmm. the practical. With what you can okay. actually... Right. I mean, that's, you could speak yeah. more to the For dollars sure. and cents side <laughs> of that, but... Or certainly at least the anticipating, you know, when we look ahead and plan mm -hmm. the next season, or is this concert with orchestra or a smaller uh, ensemble, or is this yeah, one with soloists, mm -hmm. you know, so we can... Make sure we balance our budget at the end of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there any sense of what the community really likes? Is, in other words, do you get a feel for, boy, the community really likes this type of music? Oh, or, yeah. And then do we want to do more of that? That's or? a great question. I mean, certainly Christmas at the Paramount is very well, popular. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's yep. an easy right. one. Yeah. But I think uh, the group loves to sing big works with orchestra mm. or just big works. I mean, you saw the Rock Mine. I mean, that, and look at the audience. That was almost 1,000 people oh, for the two groups. And there's no instrument, it's just the voice, like you yeah. said. They love big works, and that was the mm -hmm. first time that whole piece had been done in, in the Charlottesville area. Um, but I, so I think they do like to hear from this group bigger works, and that's kind of the group is like a symphony chorus, like you would find in a larger city. Oh, absolutely. And the uh, quality of it, that's the beautiful oh, yeah. part. I mean, it's so, so beautifully They're done. doing well, it's growing, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, what would you add to that? I, that's certainly the case. Yeah. Um 
I don't really have any more yeah, comment on that. I think that, that pretty well sums it up. Yeah, um, I know. I, I yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, I think that, you know, there, there are a lot of, as a famous radio announcer said once, I think it was Garrison Keillor, you know, there is grandeur in small things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a four-minute mm -hmm. piece can just yep. change your world and blow your heart and mind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but we do, I think, tend sometimes toward toward bigger works. And, yeah. you know, we've done some great collaborations. I know you have our other artistic partners in here yep. sometimes. So, we, so yes, right. So we have collaborated on Bernstein, Candide, and Verity with Charlottesville Opera. Uh, in fact, two of the four soloists on this concert are people that we worked with as emerging artists at Charlottesville Opera That's last right. summer. So there's a, there's a connection. And we've worked, you know, we've collaborated with Charlottesville Ballet, mm -hmm. and uh, as I say, the University Singers, and, and the Charlottesville Symphony, and, and the list goes on. I know, Lee, Andy, they're very excited to be able to have the chorus in Tosca yeah. upcoming. It's important. And Leanne's, it's great having Leanne, who is a, yeah, who is a there's partner. There's some overlap. Some of our I, chorus members are in the, I was Tosca, ask, are in yeah, the Charlottesville Opera Chorus, the, the Ting Pavilion event, um, the, oh, the, July the, 1st. The, the festival, yep. um, that will be our... Uh, or many of our singers will be part of that as well. So. Yeah, so that's exciting because that'll be a first-time event. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and the collaboration is just fantastic uh -huh. to see. So, well, tell us a little bit about. I want to just go ahead. Oh, you're excited. Who do I talk to about getting Carmina Burana here in Charlottesville? Who do I have to talk to? <laughs> you that's got the right people. We did it in 2007 with University I Singers. Wasn't here. In the that doesn't work. Is that right? That doesn't when, count. Did, when, you later? when did you when come? Did, 2008. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually, about do then. It's, it's, I'll say, I don't think it's wrong to say it's on our docket. Uh, we're, we've been in conversation with the ballet, actually, mm. Charlottesville Ballet, about doing it in the reasonably near future because it was a piece that was danced. Uh, or, or originally, so. Oh, I think and Sarah the, from Charlottesville Ballet. You know, she, yeah, Sarah and Emily are. Great, and Emily, they're fantastic. Partners, so, they will do a, a great job if that comes to yeah. pass. So, yeah. so keep your fingers crossed. Okay, we'll do that. Keep your fingers. Stick crossed. around. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Don't leave <laughs> Charlottesville. Don't leave Charlottesville <laughs> for, for a while. Tell us a bit about the. Because I know it's going to take place, so it's going to be May fifth at St. Thomas Aquinas Church. Right. Tell us a bit about the the choice of location. I mean. How, going there, I love it, but like, what sort of says, all right, let's do it here? Yeah. Um, we actually, when we did the Rachmaninoff last year, we didn't think that we'd be back there so, no. so mm -hmm. soon. Um, but after that experience, it was pretty clear that that was the only place that we wanted to do these two pieces. Mm. Um, it, it's just acoustically, ideally, um, you know, set up, uh, and, and the, the space is just mm -hmm. beautiful. beautiful. Um, we are offering a live stream again of the event, so Fantastic. that is um, something that, that um, anyone who's not going to be in town uh, for the concert and, or can't make it for whatever reason in person I can purchase can access to the live stream to watch that um, at their convenience. Um, but really the best experience is going to be sitting in that yeah, sanctuary. No it's, it's just... Um, not just you know from the musical standpoint, the, the sound, but the, the aesthetics of the space mm -hmm. just... Um, Will will create a, an overall experience. I think that is not to be missed. And our our soloists are fantastic. They're gonna just. I'm so excited to hear it all yeah. come together. It's, yeah, I yeah I agree with that completely. I mean, you know, you try to get to know all the spaces in your town, mm -hmm. right? You know, so we have Old Cabell Hall, and we have the Paramount, yep. and we First Pres Church is a beautiful place. And as you know, St. Thomas recently tore the church to the ground right. and and, and rebuilt mm -hmm. and. And the result is 
it's a very beautiful sacred it space. Is. It is. And it and is. you know I'm friends. Father Walter over there is a, is a he he we came from him. New York City and <laughs> he he used to do artistic events at his church up there. So he understands the idea that intersection yes. uh, with the arts. And so this exactly. is a nice opportunity. Yeah. And I think there's something too special about hearing because you always talk about sometimes you know you go to Europe and you can see great works of art in a church where they were originally put, and you kind of you get that sense. Hmm. All right, this is where the artist intended it to be. Like, and not that it wouldn't be beautiful in a museum, but everything comes to this where, and so to hear the all-night vigil or to hear a mass mm. in a place where it traditionally would have taken mm. place. Not that it wouldn't be yeah. sound beautiful in a music in a hall, hall yeah. but to say, this is where this might well have been performed at one point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just to, 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 I think you sense that there's just a fit there. And I'm, I'm just yeah. it's going to be interesting to see that, that contrast of how each of them fits differently, each piece fits differently in that space. That's a, that's a great idea, right? Because mu music is framed by the spaces you present. True. It in. So, True. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's, it's, I'm, uh, I am just so excited. Well, that's going to be fantastic. This gonna is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And, yeah. you know, having, as someone who's gone to the holiday concert so, you know, oh, many yeah. times and, and love it, especially yeah. them, I went the one year when, um, the little kid didn't even wait for the microphone. He just belted five <laughs> golden rings. That's right. Didn't even. Wasn't even close he just, to the microphone. No way they go to the microphone, but the little kid just goes five golden rings. <laughs> That's great. You want people that are eager to sing in exactly. the world, right? So I, I love that. It was just so much fun. Yeah. And, I, and the all night vigil last year is just stupid. I can't recommend enough just the quality of oh, thank you of the singers there and the way. Yeah, they're really amazing. I mean, just. I mean, it's it's top notch to think that they're all volunteers. It's just, yeah. it's incredible. It is amazing. It is. It's incredible. It is. And, do, and do you ever get anybody that 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 goes to you and says, "I want to sing," and then like has no experience in reading music, but their voice is great, and you sit there, you kind of discover it. You know, how do how do I work with that? That is a great question. Um, I guess I'm on air. I have to. I'll have to answer it public, publicly. <laughs> no, you don't uh, have. You don't have to. No, you know. Well, you. You know. I've I, over the years, I have heard a gazillion auditions, and I've imagine. heard everything yeah. from sublime. Mm -hmm. I mean, truly sublime. To you know, I, I don't show it on my face, but don't call us. Yeah. We'll call you. And um, uh, I think the challenge is you have to find the right mix of mm. talents you're looking for. Right? It's the voice, but it's also a certain level of musicianship. Mm. An ability to learn music in this group, we learn pretty fast. So yeah. reading is is a pretty useful skill. Exactly. It's, and so I think what I would do is, if someone was borderline, I would try to take them. If someone is needing more work, really work on their musicianship, I would actually reach out and recommend the, um, that they work with a coach for a little while and, oh, and to, yes, yeah. grow their musicianship a little, and then come back and re-audition. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, which makes yeah. total sense. That you get to the point at which you're then able to participate. And right. Yeah. Because and education learn. is a, a process of stretching, right? You want to stretch mm -hmm. people a little beyond their level. Yeah. But if you make that stretch too far, too fast, yeah. then it won't go. It will start or, or be disturbed. The foundation is not yeah. quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, right. that makes complete yeah. sense. Which complete sense. Got a lot of people. Watch. Shannon Donovan is watching. Holly Salon says hi, Michael and Christine. <laughs> Hello, dear. <laughs> Did strategic watching. Nate Wilson, Courtney Davis, John Blair watching the show this morning. So right. you guys have a definitely a, a, a lot, lot of fans, fans, which is what we expected. So I mean, important thing. Just you know, it is you guys. I know you're supported in part by by donations. Mm -hmm. People. So Absolutely. where can people go to support? 
to learn more and, and most importantly to get tickets for May 5th. It's in the evening. Yes. Um, I believe let me yeah, see, 8, 8 o'clock. 8, 8 p.m. Yes. So you'd have time to have dinner That's and right. then go to St. Thomas Church. And so where do people get tickets for that as well? Um, people can purchase tickets online from our website, uh, www.oratoriosociety.org. Um, they can also get the phone number off our website and give the office a call um, to, if they would would like to purchase over the phone. We'll also have a box office at the door. Um, oh, okay, excellent. But yeah. there, there are two tiers of seating, so sort of mm-hmm. the premier seating up front and center. Um, those are going really quickly yeah. online, um, but then there'll be lots of general seating behind that. Yeah. Do, do not do what I did last year. I found out about it too late and didn't get the middle seat. Like, it was still fantastic. But I'm like, dang, I would have loved to have been in yeah. that middle seating. <laughs> so, enough. and you know what? Don't wait. Don't wait till the door because it's, no, it, right. it was packed last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say get your tickets as early as, as you can. Yep. You know, and people can indeed donate and support the work that yes, you're doing, correct? Yes, Also on our website, um, there's details and a button to donate. We would love um, to see some new contributions that help keep the music going yep. and uh, support our next season. We have some fantastic plans. Yeah, we haven't revealed of, it yet, but we have some big... Mm-hmm. big we'll just have to have you both yeah. back. We'll just have to have, to have us back. back. You can do the we'll reveal. Know a little more. <laughs> the uh, in fact, there'll be a little, uh, a little preview or a little sneak peek of what that looks like uh, at the, in, in the program for the May 5th concert. Oh, nice. So if you come, you, right. you can get a, um, a peek at what's coming up next year. Oh, wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward I'm so to that too already. I know, exactly, exactly. But think about it, if you all donate, you can hopefully help one day make and save your dreams of coming to Veronica <laughs> True. <laughs> Just donate to help and save your dreams. You've got to write down, It'll this be like is the, only you know, for... Yeah, you know the make-a-wish thing. You have to make and save your wish come true and donate. <laughs> <laughs> to the Oratory Society of Virginia. Yeah. Michael, Christine, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. You guys are a joyful pair. Thank you. No, we, we loved having you. you on. It, it was a great pleasure, and we look forward to having you back, hopefully to talk about next, next season, what people can look forward to. Fantastic. Right. Looking forward Thanks to that, again. absolutely. Yeah. Thank so you. So good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. Take All care. All the best on May 5th. Yep. All righty. So as we do one last rotation here, we're, uh, we got uh, some more people watching this morning. We got Samira Ali watching the show this morning. Sandy's face painting watching the show this morning. So lots, lots of people enjoying this great, this great work uh, that uh, Oratory Society is doing. They just, I'm just, it's it's such a blessing to have groups like that. It really is in, really in our is. society and yeah. people like Michael and Christina. You just you tell how much they love. Well, yeah. That and, that and I want to share it with others, and that's what makes that's what makes this such an amazing community. Yeah, really, that we have yeah. I mean, just the thing, like, like I said, just the thing that they're all volunteers singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just you know that goes to show you when you are volunteering to do that, the, the passion. passion you have to sing, mm-hmm. and then that you know they're not single jingle bells. They're singing yeah. something that you really have to put your heart put, into, put some you know? work into. You know, not that I can sing even jingle bells, but however, these <laughs> people like know how to sing. Exactly, exactly. So it's just it's amazing to have. You know, and and to think uh, that they just they do this on the basis of volunteers and yeah. donations yeah. and stuff, and yeah. you know, speaking of people who just give a lot of their time and are really <laughs> a sure. blessing to the community, we're we're excited to welcome to the show this morning Charlie Rogers. He's the CEO of Innovative Software Solutions. He is also the chair of the board of directors of the Charlottesville Scholarship Program. Charlie, thanks so much for coming on this morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Good morning, works. Charlie. How you doing? Doing well. Doing You're looking well. great today. I tell thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. He's always looking good. Yeah, absolutely. 
Always looking good. So, I mean, Charlie, for those who don't know, I mean, your story, I've, got, I've been, you know, blessed to, to hear it um, when you've mm-hmm. talked to the Charlotte for Scholarship Program when we had our board retreat. But, yeah. like, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your story and how you founded ISS. Well, um, first of all, you know, thank you for having me on the show. And um, I'm a pastor. I want to get that out there. I'm a pastor, and uh, I'm a father of, of nine kids. Wow. And nice, yeah. um, a husband of... A local local girl. We've been married for thirty plus years, and um, on several boards. You mentioned the scholarship, mm-hmm. the scholarship scholarship program, and, and of course, I'm the founder and CEO of Innovative Software Solutions. So you probably heard blah 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 nine kids. I, I do need I need to clear that up. My, my wife is amazing. Um, you know, I, I get to take vacation every day from eight to five, and while she dealt with all nine of the kids, I, I wouldn't use vacation as a word. Right. <laughs> but you know, every day at five o'clock, I would check out and rush to get home. And mm-hmm. as my wife tell it, she no longer had to deal with nine kids by herself. She then had to deal with ten. <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, exciting to be here and um, and and. I, I love the question. And so, you know, my passion, my, my passion, and, and we've been talking about passion all day. Mm-hmm. My passion is to bridge social and digital divides for those who have educational aspirations mm-hmm. but divorced of opportunity. Yeah. And that passion started for me when I started college. Now, I was a first-generation college kid. Right? I knew nothing about college. I, was, I, I knew so little about college that my first day I wore these two-tone jeans because I had to look good, mm-hmm. right? Two-tone jeans, one side corduroy and one side jeans. I don't know if you remember those. those was, and nice shirt, and I really looked good, and I got on campus, and I, I saw all these kids with shorts and T-shirts and <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, I really am out of my environment, right? So, so you know, first-generation college kid, and, and I go to one of my, my first major classes, and I get into that class, and I'm all excited, you know. It's about 100 kids in this class. Um, my major is computer science, and, and I'm excited. And the professor walks into the class, and the professor looks around, and he says, 100 kids in this class. He said, every year we graduate about 15 kids, and there's 100 of you in this class. He said, I'm going to help you to figure out statistically who those 15 are. Mm -hmm. And he said, everyone stand up. He said, if you've never had a computer, nor did your high school have a computer, you might want to sit down. And I remember looking around. You don't want to be the first to sit down, right? Looking around. But I had to sit down. And the reason I had to sit down is I grew up in the projects, mm-hmm. right? And in the projects, my mother, she tried to put food on the table. If I would have asked her for a computer, I wouldn't be here today. Or I had teeth missing. Something would have been wrong with me, right? Because she focused on putting food on the table for me and, and my siblings. So I had, to, I had to sit down. And the professor went on to say senior year, junior year, down to about eighth grade, and it was about 15 kids standing. And the professor says, statistically, those 15 have the best chance of graduating. And I just remember being devastated. And um, after that class, I did what any, in my mind, any kid from the project's first-time college kid would do. I quit. I packed my bags, and I went back home. 
because I, I figured college is a reason why no one in my family had ever gone to college. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just a yeah. chasm between kids in college and, and, and me having access to yeah. tools and help and those kind of things, funding. So I went back home, and you can imagine the shock on my, my mother's face when she thought she had already gotten rid, rid, of, rid of me. But I came home and, and uh, explained to my mother what happened, because back then you didn't have cell phones, so I couldn't yeah. call her, right? Yeah, exactly. I had a pager, but you know she didn't have a pager. So I, I went home, explained, and my mother was the Internet before the internet. Now, I don't know if any of you have moms like that, but that's how she was. She was the internet before the internet. So I explained it to her, and she just went out knocking on doors, telling people, explaining the problem. And and about two weeks later, someone came knocking on my door. And I go to open the door, and the person at the door looks nothing like me. This person navigated the wilds of the projects and didn't look like someone that belonged in the projects. So I, I feared his life. So we, we brought him into the house, and he had this big box, and he, he gave me this box. I didn't know this person. I opened up the box. It was a brand-new computer. Wow. That moment completely changed my life. It made me understand the power of random acts of love, how they can bridge social and digital divides for those aspiring for more but need opportunity. And I I just remember that saying, you know, man, that right there, love, that random act of love heals. It heals in many, many ways. And so eventually I I went back to college and and eventually I graduated. That's a long story. But I remember when I graduated, I said, you know, I want to go see how many kids actually graduate from the computer science department. And I walked over to that graduation, and I started counting. And it wasn't a lot of kids then. I was counting 1, 2, 3, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So that professor was right. Only about 15 was going to graduate. But where he was, and it was tough, and he was right. But what he was wrong is I was one of the, the I was one of the fifteen. But I do remember walking on that stage to get that little fake diploma. That's another thing I didn't know as a first time kid. You know, you get this little fake diploma. I was expecting to get this big thing. He, and same cameras I, he went to talk about. I still didn't know. He didn't and, know and, that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I'm walking across the stage, and as I'm walking across the stage, I'm thinking in my head, not just about that fake diploma, but I'm thinking, you know. I want to do for as many kids what that person did for me. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I know I need resources to do that. But I want to do, and that's what I'm thinking of as I'm walking across the stage. And what came to my mind is start a business. You know, we, I, people in my generation and my lineage hadn't gone to college. They hadn't started business. I say, if, we, if I start a business, somehow that can fund me being able to help bridge social and digital divides. If I get involved with my community and join boards, I can help yeah. bridge social and um, digital divides. So the idea to spark the business happened nice. right there as I was getting this fake yeah. diploma. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, it also gave me my passion in life for reasons why I created the business. I didn't create the business 
to be the next, you know, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. I created the business to find funding to give back to the community to bridge divides. Yeah. And uh, so that's how the business amazing. business idea came all about. That's how my passion uh, uh, that I have came all about. That's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. story. Yeah, you know, it's it really just, is. and I just, really I wanted is. people to hear that. Just, it, 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 it's just a beautiful thing. It shows you, I think, also too, because you now have the successful business, which, mm-hmm. which helps you to do those things. Just what entrepreneurship can do. What mm-hmm. a small business owner whose heart is in the right place and to do that right. can do for the community through founding. A small oh, business, you know, it's just, it's amazing what's there. So how, from there, of course, how did you first become interested in the Charlottesville Scholarship Program? All right, so that's, that's, that's a great question. And so when, 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 um, when you have this passion, right, you're trying to find ways to be impactful mm-hmm. um, to your community. So in the business, what we did was we created um, a 3% plan where that 3% of all the revenue we we receive, we want to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. So we do that every year. We give that back to the community. And I felt like that, that was good, but there's just more. You know, you, yeah. you, you want to do more. And um, when I heard about the great work that was being done at Charlottesville Scholarship Program, I said, that mm-hmm. is something that I want to go. Here's a program that is providing scholarships to kids in their freshman year, their sophomore year, their junior year, they see. I mean, sticking with not yep. just providing, you know, here's something, thank you, see goodbye, you next time, goodbye, again, never yeah. see you again, but providing support all the way throughout mm-hmm. the undergraduate experience. And I said, that's what I needed when when I was that kid that was going to quit college. That person, when they gave me that computer, they gave me hope. Mm-hmm. Hope. And, and I said, the Scholarship Scholarship Program is providing hope. And every year, the scholarship um, CSP gives out 10 scholarships and then follow those 10 kids all the way through. Mm-hmm. So 40 kids are in the system at all times receiving yeah. financial help. And not just financial help. But navigational yeah. help, and, yeah. and, and the, the, which is the mentorship program mm-hmm. that, that um, CSP. So I said, I, I have to get involved with that because it's part of my life mission. And, 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 and I'm on several boards and, and several committees, and every committee and board I'm a part of is part of that passion yeah. and solving that passion, a piece of that passion that I have. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is an amazing thing. I mean, you, cause you, you're talking 2,500 the first year. Mm-hmm. That a student does, and that goes up by 500 every year that they're in college. So the max is like 13,000. Mm-hmm. That, that's different to 10 different stars. And like you said, the key is that, that navigator piece. Each student is paired with a mentor who's there to like check in on them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see how they're doing, support them. Mm-hmm. If they have a question, oh, how do I renew? You know, just because we keep track, like the scholarship program sort of keeps track of like, you know, how are things going? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what's your financial situation looking like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have a mission for us as our worship that to, uh, to really get to the point where all our scholars are graduating oh, debt free. Oh my gracious. Uh, man, we could be here all day talking <laughs> about this is is that as you mentioned right now, we, we try to provide about thirteen thousand dollars over those mm-hmm. four years. What we are looking at in the future is students coming out debt-free. 
And so we are starting to figure out how to work with local organizations, with the University of Virginia, uh, with local businesses, to figure out how can we create a system where two or three or four or five kids that graduate from local kids, our kids, can graduate and, I mean, go to college and come out of college debt-free. Because if you can help kids do that, then those kids will come back to their community That's right, exactly. and make their community mm-hmm. that, that yeah. much better. And they will um, give back. And they will give yeah, back. Exactly, exactly. They will pay that forward. Yep. So that, to me, is, is, is a very exciting program. Uh, it's a program that, uh, that if we can make happen in this state, it's almost like, you know, the 529 plan, right? Yeah. It, it, it's just something that I think would be powerful mm-hmm. to, and something that every kid in this in our locale will look forward to being involved as they go through high school. Exactly. And I, th- I think what's nice is what you, how you explained it is the idea that every single year, right, they get another piece of that scholarship mm-hmm. as opposed to saying – Here's thirteen thousand dollars. Good luck, and you know we'll see you tomorrow, <laughs> see right? Later. Because these these young people need that mentorship. In other words, yeah. where are you struggling? Maybe we can help you with that, right? Because mm-hmm. we all struggle through yeah. through college. There are there are areas where like you really struggle, and if you're struggling with that, and you also have financial problems, it's like I'm yeah. done, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you have a mentor that can say, let us help you, yeah. let us help you through these struggles, mm-hmm. so you get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great program. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, the, the young lady that I mentor, she she's attended Syracuse University, oh, in the ACC. So we we have some very interesting <laughs> conversations, especially when Syracuse sports. plays uh, UVA. And um, one of our discussions, and, and she's a brilliant brilliant young lady. Um, one of our discussions, she mentioned, "Hey, I have I have some gifts for you." I said, "Oh, you do." I, I said, I appreciate this. I mean, I, I call you because I want to check up on you, see how you're doing, see what challenges you have to see if I can help you walk through challenges. And uh, you have a gift. I said, well, what is it? And she holds up this Syracuse T-shirt. And I said, hmm. I'm not sure how much of a gift that is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the Navigator program is, is what differentiates CSP from a lot of other mm-hmm. organizations. Um, because you, in, in my story, you know, I was given a computer. Some other stories, you're given finances. Whatever those needs are, you're given them. But in reality, what you need is that continual random acts of love, yeah. mm-hmm. that continual staying with that person. And what we've noticed that when with the Navigator program, those kids are staying in college, yep. and they are graduating. It, it reminds me of... Like my son, he was a, a, a top recruit in sports, and he went out and he went to these different colleges on this recruiting trip. But the one college, they told us that each kid gets a dedicated academic advisor that goes with them throughout the year. And you look at the graduation rate of that college, you realize that almost 80, 95, uh, 97% of the athletes graduate that's important. That Navigation really is, is important. So important. And that's why this that's what separates CSP from any other organization out there is that not only do we give you the, the help you need financially or those type of things, but we give you a person mm-hmm. that can come alongside that truly cares about your success. Exactly. Absolutely. And those people are are volunteers. Like basically people from our community just reach out, 
do you, do you fill out an easy application saying, yeah, I want to be a navigator. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I went to college and mm-hmm. then here's, here's, you know, a couple of things. Some of the questions are even there just to kind of match you, you know, what you, what, <laughs> what subjects did you like? It's like, oh, great. You know, you liked business. This kid like is, business, is interested exactly. in business, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what's, I mean, even just you, what's the experience been like for you as a navigator? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I know for me, you gain so almost as much as you give. Yeah. Not oh. more. I, I think I, actually I think more. we gain more yeah. than than we give. You know, I, I I had you know I have this little checklist of all the things I want to make sure I say and make sure I do, and and then you get on the call and you start talking to them, and you realize these are real people, these are young people, they have aspirations, they have desire, and you don't want to bust any bubbles, um, but you want to you know you want to be there for them, and you start talking to them, and it almost start feeling like you know your your child. And you want them to be successful, and you and you and you start you know giving them things that you think is going to help them be successful, and then they start telling you things back. And next thing you know, you cheering, you you know, you cheering up, you tearing up, (laughs) you know, and 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 and, and they're like counseling you. And and so uh, it's been a great experience. Um, uh, You know, we talk um, about once a month. That's we try to talk at least Mm -hmm. once a month, whether it's virtual or uh, email or on the call um, and anytime there's a challenge you know we t- I tell my, my navigator they have my red button at any time that they can call mm-hmm. and say hey I, I feel like in my case I feel like quitting I just found out that I'm, I'm, there's a chasm between my yeah. educational background and everyone else and now I can say don't 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 quit. Now, yeah. Let me let me explain some things to yeah. you. Yeah. But at the same time, it's healing me too, mm-hmm. right? It's healing me from the times that I went through things. Typically, when you are counseling people, you're really healing yourself because you know it's hard to counsel people on things you've never gone through. Mm-hmm. So if you've gone <laughs> through them, it's easier to counsel them, and you're actually healing yourself. You're as well. you do it. So it's, yeah. and, and it really is like you said. It's it's not a it's not a crazy time commitment where you're like, oh no, I no. You know I have no. to do things something every no. day. Mm-hmm. It's and you know and you have support because there are like big questions like you as the navigator can answer. I mean, we've got experienced navigators that have mm-hmm. been doing mm-hmm. this for mm-hmm. numerous years who can help out. I mean, Stephanie, who runs the you know basically our manager of our program. Yep does a great job mm-hmm. at helping you out. So there's a lot of support for the navigators as well. Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, the, the board is an amazing board. Um, uh, local business owners, you know, local politicians, uh, local organizational owners. I mean, it's, it's a, a very robust board. Right. And, and, and navigating, being a navigator is a huge Opportunity and being on that on that board, and we always need more navigators. Yep. Okay, not just the members on the board, but people from our community, yeah. people who want to just give back, mm-hmm. who understand their college experience, to understand what it's like to be rocky. Yeah, right. To be to be the underdog, mm-hmm. to 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 be the one that you know. How do you get in college? How you know and. and it, it just you just need someone to whisper loudly into your ear every now and then you can, you do, can it. do it, and that's what navigators do. You don't have to be this experienced, you know, uh, uh, educated person, all that. You don't have to, you know, dress nicely like this young man over here every day, <laughs> and look all nice, and uh, you just have to care. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how just a little bit of care paid forward. Multiplies and care, and you can make a huge significant difference to your community as a navigator. 
It's not. It's huge. It's yeah, huge. I've always said that, right? You take care of, you know, you take care of family, you take care of your community, and, and the whole world takes care of itself that way, yeah. right? Well, absolutely. So, Charlie, this has been so Thank amazing. You. It's so great to have you on. I'm so glad we did. We'll, we'll keep doing it. We'll keep having your you back. So, but before I let you go, I, I've got some info for where people can sign up to be a navigator. Um, where can people learn more about uh, ISS, Innovative Software Solutions? So, you can learn more about ISS at, um, at our website, which is www.issvalue.com. Um, you can also, our number is on that website. You can call that number and, and get our office. Fantastic. Um, so you can support us there. And then there's other um, opportunities to support us as well. Um, you can support us by being a, you know, being a part of CSP mm-hmm. or being a donor yep. to CSP. Or if you're a student uh, in the Charlottesville area, there's apply. a senior, apply um, for this. And then if you are interested in being a navigator to give back, um, that would be Incredible. That would be huge. Uh, but we also have uh, other programs that we involve with, like Drive for STEM. Uh, and Drive for STEM is an annual golf tournament where we also bring the community together to foster communication, diversity, and unity while helping these same youth um, in STEM opportunities. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get involved with anything like that as well, um, that would be great. Uh, but CSP, the last thing I say about CSP is that in the last 22 years, we have helped 188 kids, and we've given out just a, a, bit, a, a bit under a million dollars. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and I think the only way we can keep this growing is the people that are listening and the people in that community get involved keep supporting and and do please I mean this is the time that we're looking for navigators so (laughs) if you reach out you can get matched for for this academic year with the child and it's very easy to do you just go to www.sevillescholarship.com and then you'll find the information to, to there's even at the bottom you can click uh, it says email and you can you can basically send an email saying yeah I'm interested in being a navigator um, you can call the number there or you can just email directly scholars mm-hmm. at sevillescholarship.com say I want to be a navigator heck if you want to send me a, a <laughs> Facebook message feel free say I want, I want to be a navigator I'll get you I'll get you in touch with the, with the application and everything it's a super easy application we'll get you ready to go and uh, you can just be part of this amazing organization absolutely Charlie thanks so much thank, thank you Charlie thank you for having pleasure. me absolutely it's a wonderful you. story wonderful uh, this was a was an amazing show I enjoyed amazing it tremendously day. Yeah, absolutely absolutely uh, thanks so much for being here with me oh it's always fun I always, always love it next week we got some great guests as well we're going to be joined by Catherine Morris as well as uh, Terry and Christina Arroyo from Plant Studio, Lisa Capraro, the uh, director of uh, It's Art Park, and Matthias Yon from Matthias Yon Realty, our good friend. Um, just, so we got some more great people. Just please support everyone that came out today, the Glitterby Oratorio Society of Virginia, Charlie at Innovative Software Solutions, and as well, of course, the Charlottesville Scholarship Program. Yeah, all great can, programs. All great, yeah. great people doing amazing things in our Absolutely. community. Um, thank you, of course, to our, our presenters, to Emergent Financial Services at Credit Serious Insurance, Castle Hill Cider, Charlottesville Opera. Be sure to get, so remember, uh, July 1st is the festival, and then in July, or late, later in July, there will also be those, uh, their performances of Tosca 
and Dyson Dolls. So you got some Tosca, great, that's right, that's right. Some great performances that. coming up. Of course, May, Tosca, you can't miss Tosca. I mean, miss Tosca. Really, I mean, that's a that's a great. Of course, opera. of course. And May fifth, of course, Oratory Society right here at St. Thomas Church, eight p.m. Next you week, the uh, yep, the two masses that you can see: Arvo Pert, some mass uh, Misa Celebica. And then, uh, of course, Rossini's Petite Mess, which is not petite, as we found out. <laughs> um, of course, thank you for all of you for your great comments. Of course, uh, thank you, Matias, your realty forward, Adelante. Uh, thank you, Judah, behind the camera, for making it all work today. We look forward to seeing all of you next week. But until that time, as we'd like to close it out on the show, hasta mañana. <laughs>